uh, every day I'm above ground uh, is icing on the cake. Uh, nothing was ever promised to me. This is episode number 39, Embrace Who You Are, with Aaron Parcham. Welcome, my name is Ola Glohi, and this is the Overcoming Odds Podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who have overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you to help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving your fullest potential. Before I introduce today's guest, I'd like to make a brief announcement and invite all of our listeners to our upcoming conference on October 20th in Philadelphia, a conference where you'll have a chance to connect with hundreds of people who are going through a similar journey that you are, a conference where you'll hear from speakers from all over the country, including Adele Harris, Tiffany Jacobs, April Dinwiddie, Stacey Johnson, Nathaniel Williams, and myself included. For more information, please go to overcomingodds.today forward slash path to resilience. Now, let's get back to our guest. He had three different names before he was three months old. He said, the first name I ever was was Jeremy Jones. In the foster homes, I was Toby. Now, my given name, Aaron Parcham. Without further ado, please welcome Aaron Parcham. Thank you so much for being a guest on our podcast. Mm-hmm. And what I wanted to do is I wanted to start off with a brief background, um, which will then go into more in-depth about some of your um, childhood upbringings, your birth, um, your birth family, followed by the relationship that you've had with your adoptive parents, and um, then transitioning into the theme of today's episode, which is having a strong support group. So for those who may not be familiar with your story, could you tell us as much as you can about your upbringing, where you were born, and the type of relationship that you've had with your birth parents? Sure. And Oleg, thank you very much for having me on your podcast. I appreciate this opportunity. Um, so I was born uh, 1977 uh, to a uh, mother and father who were 16 uh, in Columbus, Ohio. Mm. And went up for adoption shortly afterwards. Um, on uh, my birth certificate, uh, my first name that I ever had was Jeremy Jones. Mm. Uh, then uh, in the foster home, apparently I was Toby. Interesting. And, <laughs> yep, yep. And now my given name, Aaron Parcham, Aaron Allen Larson Parcham, was given to me by my adoptive mother and father when I was three months old. Um, I grew up uh, mainly in Oak Park, Illinois, right mm -hmm. on the west side of Chicago. Very liberal community. I think my parents moved there because of that. You know, uh, my parents are Caucasian, and me being biracial, um, you know, I think they wanted to be in a place that would be, uh, I guess, more socially accepting of, mm -hmm. of that arrangement. Uh, I grew up 
uh, happy child. Uh, my, my sister is also adopted and biracial. Uh, we came from different families originally, but we ended up looking very much alike. Uh, <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I, I think in my childhood, I, I was sheltered from uh, maybe some of the issues that go along with being adopted or, or being biracial, just because my family was so tight knit. Mm-hmm. And the community that we were in was, was, was uh, I mean, it is a, a liberal and giving and loving place. Um, what, so, what were some of those issues? You know, um, a lot of the issues I didn't actually realize until, until I moved away to go to college. Uh, I went to, to Butler in Indianapolis for two years uh, and then really got exposed, I guess, more to, to less liberal thinking. Mm-hmm. For lack of a better word, um, you know, I, the issues that I had growing up were actually few and far between. Well, like, you know, I was uh, a figure skater of all things, and I, I didn't start that way. I was in a lot of different sports, but you know, a boy in figure skating in itself is pretty unique. Um, and I, I didn't, I didn't realize that I, I was supposed to be in hockey skates, quote unquote, until mm-hmm. it was way too late. Um, so, you know, when I mentioned I was, I was fairly sheltered growing up and I, I didn't, I didn't see a lot of kind of the stereotypes that come with, you know, being a man or a woman or being black or, or white or just being a minority in general or, um, you know, being adopted. It was, mm-hmm. uh, for me being adopted was just kind of like the status quo in my life. It was the only thing I knew it was the only thing I grew up with, you know, that it was, different i think between you and me i like just based on what i know about you you mm-hmm. having to make very conscious and life-changing decisions at an early age mm-hmm. versus you know me kind of growing up much more sheltered uh, mm-hmm. much more much more comfortable um so you know i was i was exposed to things more as an adult uh or as a young man than i was as a than as a child mm. Is there is there a story or an experience that comes to mind when it, it finally did click to you? I know you mentioned the fact that um, being a boy and doing figure skating when really you should have been playing hockey, it's actually <laughs> one, one of the things I constantly used to get asked was, how come you're not playing hockey? You know, you're, yeah. from, you're from Russia, where the skates? And I said, okay, <laughs> well, just because I'm from there, it doesn't automatically qualify me for this sport nor should I want to pursue it just because from another country, another country. So it's, it's one of those things that I think, you know, in my case, it's a cultural difference that I had to overcome in yeah. your eyes. Is there a story that comes to mind when it clicked as far as, okay, people are looking at me differently because I'm doing figure skating. And if so, what did you end up doing? You know, um, there, there's a story that, that it clicked. It wasn't involving, involving figure skating, but I'll tell you two. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is, you know, when I, was, when I was, I believe, maybe 12 or so, you know, my parents both worked. So I would walk home from school and there was a spare key out back um, that I could use to let myself in. And the, the spare key, I think, was taken inside by somebody. So... I remember that my second floor window was open and ended up climbing through the window to get in my home. Mm. Um, ten minutes later, maybe five minutes later, the police showed up. And uh, apparently they got a call that a black man had climbed through a window uh, into the home. So, you know, I was 
I, I was still oblivious. I didn't understand that there was an issue. I just saw the police outside and went to the front door, and, and, and that person told me to uh, get down on my knees and don't move, um, which was scary uh, until they learned that it was actually my house uh, or my family's house. So that was that was kind of an aha moment, uh, you know, in my life. But I suppose, you know, I can't chalk that up to to any prejudice i mean it's just weird seeing a kid go through a window but mm-hmm. uh, but that was that was a that was a big moment and then in skating you know like it's more it's more day to day and and i don't mind it but what i find when i tell people that i was a figure skater for the first time is is you, you get kind of the blank look like is this guy messing with me <laughs> and and you know i've come to expect it and i mean that is what it is i I don't look like a figure skater and you know i didn't when i did when i did it i mean i'm a a straight black male in skating um and a fun fact there's there's been no other african-american males that have qualified for the olympics you know in skating besides me Mm. Uh, so i consider myself unique and and when you're unique you're going to elicit unique responses. Oh, sure. absolutely. <laughs> how did you overcome that challenge? And I guess a better question is, how did you embrace yourself and your role within this sport, knowing what you did and knowing the fact that people may look at me differently? What made you say to your internal self, okay, I am who I am and, doesn't, and it doesn't really matter what others think of me? Yeah. Yeah, that's a great question. I like, you know, um, I've been I've been lucky enough to have a lot of challenges in my life, and and I like challenges because what I see from people in general, and, and myself included, I hope always to live up to this, is people rise to the occasion when they're challenged. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so when we talk about you know skating and my experience there and the challenges that I've overcome, you know, a, a lot of it was just me learning how to be a good partner, how to show up every day and do the work, uh, acknowledging that there's a team of people that's working with me um, so that I can be the best I can. It's a lot of take and not a lot of give when mm. you do something like that. So when when you're surrounded by giving people, you know, what I've what I've come to the conclusion on in my adult life is I want to live in service of others. I want to make sure that I can lift others up, whether it's my wife or my kids or my coworkers or my friends. Uh, that's that's what I believe I'm here to do. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that you do on a daily basis that practices gratitude? And the, the reason why I ask that is because I've actually recently started this um, journey, a, a personal journey of my own, where I, um, I heard of a book uh, about a month or two ago called... 365 thank yous mm-hmm. and and it's written by an author who went through some challenging time of times of his own and during that journey he had realized that a lot of the things were happening or the way that he wanted to reverse that and develop a solution to those adversities was by um, giving people who have had an impact on his life a moment to kind of reflect and be grateful for so he started writing thank yous, whether it was for Christmas presents and things like that. So um, I, I'm fortunate enough to say that I'm on day 15 of this particular <laughs> journey. But okay. hey, every everything's a start. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that you actively do to acknowledge people that have 
had an impact on yourself? Yeah, um, I, you know, that's a good question. I actually want to start by talking about me, I guess. So I'm going to be self-centered here before mm -hmm. I, I'm grateful to others. Um, you know, my mindset, honestly, is 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 that no day was promised to me. Um, you know, being being you know born in the circumstances that I was to very young parents, I, I understand. You know, some people make the decision to have an abortion. Mm -hmm. um, I I was adopted very early on, you know, three months uh, to, to a great and loving family. Uh, every day I'm above ground uh, is icing on the cake. Uh, nothing was ever promised to me. And I think, I think keeping that in mind, uh, that, that's, that's the attitude with which I, I attack and enjoy every day. Um, it's a bonus. It's icing on the cake. This isn't... Uh, this isn't something to burn or take for granted, uh, whether it's the job that I have now or the, the family that I have now, um, where I live, uh, the friends that I have. I mean, nothing was promised to me. Um, so I think day to day, it's an intensely personal experience for me, just understanding that, you know, my life could have ended up a bunch of different ways. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's my hope to live the best version of me every day. Okay, so that's the first part, and the second part then is is the gratitude that comes with it. You know, I'm I'm trying to be the best person I can be every day, whether it's a husband, a father, a son, worker, coworker, um, and I make sure that I thank people for impacting my life, being a part of my life on a daily basis. So you know, as as far as you. The challenges, or, or the uh, your your day fifteen. I've actually never done anything like that. But but what I try to do every day is remember to have my manners, to say please and thank you, mm -hmm. uh, to be a good person, to treat strangers kindly. Um, these things are important to me because I think you can tell a lot about somebody's character by how they treat people they don't know. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and I think you can tell about. And I think you can tell a lot about somebody's character when they're having a bad day. Because, uh, mm. you know, everybody's good on a good day, but on a bad day, that, that's when true colors show. So um, my gratitude is being conscious of these things day to day to make sure that I can be a positive factor in people's lives instead of uh, negative or neutral. How do you snap back when you do have that bad day? Is there a question that you ask yourself? You know, like for me, when I, when I have moments like that, I always ask, okay, mm -hmm. have I been in a situation that's worse? And the second part of that is, how is this truly impacting me? Is this, is this a, a life-ending situation? Or is this something that happens and needs to happen along this journey? Well, you know, I, I'm going to stick to the, the overarching theme there, which you take a step back and look at the big picture, mm -hmm. right? Um, and, and I do too. You know, bottom line is one of the things that I keep in mind when I'm interacting with other people is that it's very rarely about me. It's very rarely personal. If I hear something I don't like or if something happens that upsets me, it's not like somebody's out to get me, mm. right? Um, and, and I think when I can hold that close to my heart and my emotions, I mean, I acknowledge when I am upset or angry, uh, and, and I talk it out with people that I trust, uh, after I've digested things for myself, 
but you know, bottom line, yeah, you know, the, the, it, it's a big place, and the only one doing you is you. Mm-hmm. Everybody else is thinking with their information, with, through their filter, and you know, sometimes things line up, and sometimes they don't. Mm. Uh, so bottom line, don't take it personally, mm-hmm. and. Big picture. I love what you said. You know, is is this a life-threatening situation? Is this something where my well-being overall is going to be impacted in a big way? And and the answer, nine hundred and ninety-nine times out of a thousand, is no. Mm. I I want to I want to transition into the core of today's episode because I believe this is a pro, perfect segue into that um, support group and what it actually means to have one. And the way that I would like to start off is actually with the role that your adoptive parents played in your life. Mm-hmm. And uh, the question I have with it is, when and why did you decide to call your adoptive parents mom and dad? Yeah, um, great question. Um, you know, I grew up basically knowing I was adopted. I remember I remember when I was a kid, very young kid, my mom saying, well, you know you're adopted, right? And I don't know if I knew or not, but I said, yeah, yeah. And she <laughs> says, so, you know, it means that you have biological parents out there. We're not your biological parents. And um, I was, I think, nonplussed is the right word for that. It was just kind of something, well, you know, I'm me mm-hmm. and I'm happy. Um, and bottom line, I mean, titles only count for so much. You, your family is your family. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my family is my adopted parents. Now, that said, as I got older, um, I, I knew that I wanted to meet my biological parents if I could. Mm-hmm. I also knew I didn't want them to occupy the same space in my brain as my uh, adoptive parents. My my mom and dad are my mom and dad, right? Um, so I actually I actually got a chance to meet and still have an ongoing relationship with my biological parents. I met them the first time when I was 26. And I, I waited until I was 26 because I didn't, like I mentioned, I didn't want them to have that mom and dad space in my brain. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, they, they actually, they stuck together. I have a biological brother who is, who's literally half my age. Um, and, uh, and, you know, we Skype, we Skype and they come to visit and we, I've gone to visit them, but in my brain, I, they're, they're, they're like aunt and uncle. Mm. Um, and, and, and I don't think, I don't think they take that the wrong way or they would take that the wrong way if I told them, you know, because my mom and dad are my mom and dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm grateful, grateful that they're a part of my life. And I'm, I'm grateful that I was able to, to track them down and meet them. I mean, being adopted in the 70s, closed adoption, sometimes it's hard to figure that out. Uh-huh. I'm grateful that they're healthy and happy. Um, so, you know, that's that's taking, I suppose, going back to, you know, how do you deal with, with, with troubling times or, 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 you know, information that's not great. You know, for 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 me, what it is 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 focusing on what I'm grateful for. You know, I mean, my the circumstances of my birth were less than ideal, mm. uh, but I'm 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 happy for the relationships that have developed over time, uh, regardless of those circumstances. Focusing on what you do, you have and not what you don't have. Yeah, and we Very got off important. topic there. Can what's the the, the question is is how does uh, the, how does it 
when, you, when you ended up calling them mom and dad. <laughs> so always mom and dad, uh, always and, and forever mom and dad, mm-hmm. uh, with the acknowledgement that, uh, that, you know, we have my daughter, you know, she calls three people grandpa and three people grandma. Mm. Uh, if there was one word that you could use to describe either of your parents, what would that word be? Sure. Um, my mother is fearless, and I learned I learned the, my fearlessness from her. My mother is 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 open and honest. She can go into a store and talk to strangers and have a great conversation and tell me all about it. She's she's one of those people. Um, my father is caring. Uh, my father. Um, my father, I learned the value of generosity from him. Mm-hmm. Is there a particular story that sticks in your mind when it when it clicked to you that he was caring? Um, you know, when I talked about my own values, even and and how do you treat strangers? How do you treat people that that you don't know, or how do you behave when you're in a bad situation? Uh, I can look to my father as a role model. Mm-hmm. Um, my mother and father, when I was in high school and college, um, we've had we've had people from our church over to Thanksgiving dinner that didn't have a place to go. Uh, people that uh, not not just friends and family, but people that we really didn't know. Um, my mother and father both believe in the value of education, so they um, uh, they we we didn't grow up with a lot of money, but my father did a great job and, and moved up the ranks and became a, the CEO of a small uh, management consulting firm. So we, we have money now, uh, mm-hmm. or they have money. And, and one of the things that they've done is set up a scholarship at their alma mater. Mm. Um, so, you know, for, for me that I've been able to take that and it reflects in my values too. I like, you know, I, I'm, I'm, there's, there's only, so expensive of a car that I'm going to drive. <laughs> how much money I have, you know, mm-hmm. because I can think of other more productive things to do. To use that money for. Spend it on myself, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that you said that about your parents because I think it, it, A, it relates to the type of upbringing that I've had with my adoptive parents who have been, really have been everything that I've wanted in my life especially during my early years um, living in Russia you know one of the things that I had during that particular upbringing was I was continuously looking for a family that can help and support me along the way and when I did come to the states to Ann Arbor which is roughly um, you know 30 to 45 minutes away from um, where you were it's it's it was a blessing it was a Mm -hmm. blessing because they they did teach me the importance of um, having the right mindset and more so figuring out the things that make up that mindset, um, mm-hmm. surrounding yourself with the right people and the right support group, um, looking for the actively looking for those behaviors that make up who you are and help you become successful, but it, w- whichever way you define success to begin with. Yeah. You know, you've, you've, uh, 
obviously given a lot of thought to this and I think paid meticulous attention too. I mean, we all, we all have coping mechanisms and we all have ways to deal with adversity. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say one of yours is just paying attention to detail. Mm-hmm. I, I can say, uh, my wife is, is from Warsaw, Poland. She moved here when she was 14. Um, I can tell her accent. I can barely tell yours. You <laughs> So you've obviously taken meticulous detail to study of uh, the the culture that you've been immersed in and the language that you've been immersed in over here. Oh, absolutely. You know, it, it's it's a journey and it, it's an ongoing journey still. But I can tell you stories of when I first came here, I was 12 years old. I didn't speak any English and nor did I know anything about the culture, really. there was a, There were a lot of things I had to overcome on my end, one of them being... I remember being put in some of these classes, English classes, where I was the only one, let's say, within a five to seven year range difference. Mm-hmm. All the other people were at least five to seven years old. And here's a 12 or 13 year old kid mm-hmm. that's learning on the same level. So with that, I think if I were to take a step back and, and look at it now and say, yes, was there embarrassment? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Was there possible shame? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, somehow I understood at that particular age that that's what had to be done in order to have another chance, in order mm-hmm. to build myself up, in order to develop that confidence along the way. So, you know, we've talked about being comfortable in our own skin. And I, I think that's that's an important theme If uh, you know, on this forum is, you know, it's okay to be different or Mm -hmm. to feel differently. I mean, me personally, I kind of discount group thought. Mm -hmm. uh, And and that's just on the basis of my experiences over the years. And having a great support group really helps with that. But, you know, when you have a good understanding of who you are on the inside, what your feelings are, what your values are, and what tools you can use to accomplish your goals, it doesn't matter if you're in a class with, five-year-olds when you're 12 mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if you're you know a, a african-american figure skater kind of you know on the outskirts of the culture um you do what you love you pursue your passions you pursue a purpose uh and you can be very happy without feeling like you're in the center of uh you know uh, being able to call yourself the center of a big group mm-hmm. how did you develop your your purpose in life? You know, I think it evolved. Uh, I, I know it evolved. You know, uh, I've talked about this, I think, previous during the interview. Um, a lot of people have given me a lot uh, of their time, of their emotional energy, uh, of, you know, resources like money so that I could you just pursue this goal of figure skating. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a point where I had to sit back and say, okay, I need to live up to this. I can't, I can't make bad decisions. I can't go out as late at night. I need to make sure that I'm prepared to live up to what I'm asking other people to give to me, if that mm. makes sense. Right? Absolutely. So that's an evolution. And I was lucky enough in figure skating. You know, I skated till I was 28. I, I, it, it wasn't like an aha moment or a click. It was, it was an evolution. It was an evolution. Uh, but a lot of that, I believe, is due to just keeping your eyes and ears open and taking 
things from people, taking values from people and behaviors from people that you appreciate, and then also seeing the values and behaviors that don't fit with your worldview. So you can learn from other people's mistakes as well as their good stuff. Um, I've been I've been fortunate enough to be exposed to a lot of that, and to kind of assimilate that into how I see the world. Mm-hmm. I love that because it's so. I, I think it aligns almost perfectly with the motto that I've developed for myself, and that is, I firmly believe that you are the average of the five people that you spend most of your time with. Mm-hmm. And and what I've recently learned is that that phrase can actually be slightly modified and it's not necessarily you are the average of the five people but i think it's you are the average of the five behaviors that you Uh spend most of your time with (laughs) it's the it's the things that and i for me before i actually had this interview which was the previous guest his name is uh, nathaniel williams he was a former foster youth himself and once he had said that, I just sat there and I was like, wow, all of these <laughs> years I've been looking at it and I've more so been looking for people, uh-huh. but I haven't really been paying attention to the deeper part of it. And that is the behaviors and actions and thoughts and feelings and all those things that make up that physical form. Uh-huh. You know, uh, like on that point, I would almost say that 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 is that's an ideal. You know, kind of like perfection is an ideal. It's something you strive for but never mm-hmm. attain. I mean, you and I and most people in the world, we're a work in progress. We're evolving, mm-hmm. right? So I don't know if you felt as if you were the average of your five closest uh, friends in the orphanage, as mm-hmm. an example. Right. Maybe you did, but maybe you were searching for something better. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, for for me in my life, uh, I'm 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 happy with I'm, I'm with my friends and my family. I, I think I think I've been lucky enough to be surrounded by some very great and loving people. Um, but, you know, we all strive for the the ideals and, and whether it's people you surround with or people that you look up to as role models. Mm hmm. Uh, I think you can you can pick and choose, you know. I mean, for me, a big role model was and is Muhammad Ali, and he was hugely unpopular back in the day. There were blacks and whites. Um, he, he was controversial. He was brash. He was outspoken. He was not status quo in the system. Um, but he stood true to his beliefs, which is what resonates with me. Mm-hmm. So... You know, I think my, my friends are good for that. My family is good for that. But it doesn't just have to come from my own social circles, too. Mm-hmm. How has an, a, a figure like that impacted mm-hmm. your life? Because one of the things that I imagine could possibly happen is, and, and you see this in today's world, especially with the um, presidents and some of the other people of within the leadership roles that we've had, Mm-hmm. is once you start to associate yourself with a particular figure, it, it appears, well, not appears, it actually happens, your mm-hmm. circle of friends either becomes smaller or bigger. <laughs> Back well, then, yeah. when you were you know, supporting Muhammad Ali, and, or I guess more so his message, because he yeah. did stay true to himself, what did you notice that changed around you? 
Well, you know, I can. I'm. I'm going to apply this to to some of the challenges that I have uh, just on a day to day basis. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, there's uh, there's it, it's football season, which I'm happy for because one of my few hobbies is fantasy football. Okay, <laughs> uh, but it also brings up the whole kneeling issue. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> And you know this this actually this actually an acquaintance of mine um, in a group setting, he he didn't look favorably on that. And you know I'm I'm kind of ambivalent towards it. But what I understand, especially via you know Muhammad Ali in the 1972 Olympics, is that uh, peaceful protest is a hallmark of of American society. Mm-hmm. It, it's something that I think is a great part of American society. Mm-hmm. Um, and and. I, I truly believe everybody should be able to express themselves unless they're threatening other people or doing harm, mm-hmm. um, you know, in, in ways that they see fit. So, you know, it applies to me, even just the challenges in my own life. I mean, I grew up in Oak Park, Illinois. I mentioned it's a liberal community. Up here in, in Michigan, I, I do see Confederate flags on cars and trucks every once in a while or, or on mm-hmm. holds. Um, and it used to really upset and offend me. Okay. Um, and what I discovered about myself, uh, through this new time, whether, you know, political or social that we're in right now with social media and everybody, you know, having opinions and throwing them out there and one-sided conversations, Uh um, you know, to me, I couldn't disparage somebody throwing, you know, having a Confederate flag on their car, um, because that's well within his or her right to do so, I suppose, just the way I can't disparage Colin Kaepernick kneeling. Correct. Uh, so, so to me, it, it actually it expanded my worldview because, you know, I couldn't be, you know, one or the other. Well, Kaepernick is OK, but, you know, doing this personally when you're not hurting anybody is bad. He's not. Yeah. And I, I get that that can be a controversial opinion, but I, I think the underlying theme on that is 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 accepting a man or a woman's opinion for what it is so long as it's not harmful towards other people mm-hmm. uh, uh, now there's there's some gray area when we're talking <laughs> about it, right um but there's gray area across the world uh, you know uh to me people are people uh i'm going to surround myself with people that 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 i feel comfortable with and that are accepting of me and my values mm-hmm. and i can acknowledge and find peace with the fact that not everybody is going to have those same values. That's okay. Yeah. So you, I know that's a long, long answer and a little bit rambling, but it was something that, that that's, that's intensely personal to me. Mm-hmm. You know, as far as everybody has freedom of self-expression here, which is, uh, as far as I understand, you know, different than, than I mean, even your home country, Holy. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, I, what, what are your thoughts on American society and free speech versus what you've seen over there? I, I think that, well, one of the, I do believe it's necessary, uh, I think, to, to some extent, just like you said, there's obviously a gray area within that, mm-hmm. but I firmly believe that in order to, A, become who you are, one of the ways, at least in my eyes, that I became who I am is I continuously um, exercise my voice, and I actually mm-hmm. believe that's one of the ways you do ultimately quote unquote, beat your odds is by mm-hmm. using your voice. Mm-hmm. So in a country like the United States, where you are given some freedom to use that voice and to develop, ultimately develop that narrative that you want to live, 
I think that's huge. Now, in some other other countries, um, Russia being one of them, and some of the other places that I've been to or traveled to, it's not as easy. Mm -hmm. It's extremely hard to feel like your opinion matters. And I think when you get to that stage where there is no opportunity for you to share your thoughts and more so process a lot of those thoughts, Mm. your belonging and existence on this planet becomes a question mark. You ultimately start to ask yourself, okay, does my experience even matter? And, uh, and I'm sure as you can relate, once you get into that phase, everything turns. Your relationships mm. become different. Your work environment becomes different. You know, you, you may think that you've had great work ethic, but all of a sudden, if everything's lost as far as the deeper meaning, then... What's the point of working? What's yeah. the point of trying? What's the point of building? Well, um, that's a great point. You know, what I would add to that um, is, you know, taking it back to my personal experience, I meditate on my core values. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and when you see things uh, in the government, as an example, that you don't agree with, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the things that, that, that I learned actually through this American election phase in, in 2016 is that um, reality is quite subjective. Oh, yeah. I mean, there, there's, there's a lot of different ways to spin information, both, both conservative and liberal are good and bad. Um, but, you know, you can, you can use that to your advantage. My reality is subjective. I need to play to my strengths and turn things the way I need to see them sometimes. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so what it comes down to is, is here, you know, yeah, there, there are always going to be things on Facebook and opinions in the press that somebody doesn't agree with. Right. But we can all learn from it. We yep. can all learn from it. And I, I've learned, I've learned great lessons over the last couple of years, just, just, even, you know, in, in how I approach other people and the empathy with which I approach other people, just understanding that that there's a lot of people in this world that didn't grow up like me, mm-hmm. that that don't share the same values of me, that are still good people, yep. <laughs> you know, that, that are that are that are OK and, and wanting the best. And maybe our agendas don't line up all the way, but they're doing their best and I'm doing my best. Mm-hmm. You and know, it, and that, that makes it easier to deal with anyway. Yeah. And I think one of the things that it sounds like, based on your message, you can't please everyone, nor yeah. should you, I don't think, because when, when you try that, that is, I think, the recipe for failure. You know, there are ideals that are worthy of pursuing, like perfection and, and love and, you know, being, being the average of your five favorite people, mm-hmm. but there are ideals that are not worthy of pursuing, and one of those is pleasing everybody all the time. <laughs> yep. I want to jump back, actually, and... Um, the question that I have for you is mm-hmm. for those who are searching for a support group at this mm-hmm. particular time, where can they start? What type of questions can they ask themselves um, in order to better define the type of people they want to surround themselves with? Yeah, yeah great question. Uh, so it starts with knowing yourself and being comfortable with the knowledge of yourself. Uh, and if you don't know yourself, if you're still, you know, young and, 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 and evolving, and then we, hopefully we all evolve over mm-hmm. the course. One of the, just a, just a little segue, you know, one of the great, great gifts that I have in my life is a relationship with my wife. We've known each other for 20 years, but I'm always thrilled 
when she can surprise me with something. Like, uh, we watched Deadpool a few years ago, and she just thought it was the most hilarious thing. And that's <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't actually. You know. um, so, I mean, we're all evolving, but acknowledging that, you know, if you know yourself, develop your own ideals, and then find things that you have that you're interested in or passionate about or both, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then pursue those doggedly. And if you do that, you will attract other people and you will be attracted to the people that, that you value, that you see value in. Uh, I, I, I truly believe it all starts with knowledge of self and exploration of self. Um, and, and, you know, you, you can't be a whole person. You can't have whole relationships if you're not continually working on yourself. Mm-hmm. I love that. Final thought for today's episode, and that is when the odds are completely against you, what are some core fundamental principles that you always refer to? When the odds are completely against you, what are the core fundamental principles? Um, I think number one, uh, you know, we've already talked about knowledge of self, but I, I think it's 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 making sure that that you know who's in your corner, uh, having a safety net, getting a safety net, making sure that 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 you have a solid base to work from. Mm-hmm whether that's through yourself or a combination of yourself and others. And two, you know, half of success is just showing up every day and doing your job, okay? Uh, And number three, just control what you can control. You know, when we talk about when the odds are against you, a lot of times there are things out of your control. And if you take too much time and emotional energy uh, fretting about the outcome or fretting about the possibilities, uh, it, it actually goes counter to your goals. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what I would say is, 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 you know, if you're feeling anxious or if you're feeling overwhelmed, break it down into the things that, that you can actually physically do day to day, week to week, month to month to achieve your goals. Tangibles. Or, yeah, get out of a spot that you're in, you know, whatever it is. But, you know, what it comes down to is, 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 is that more so than anything else. You know, there's, there's a lot of things out there that just noise and static. Mm-hmm. You know, break it down, focus on you and what you can do every day over the long term, and uh, things get better. That's powerful. Thank you so much for being a guest on our show and sharing your story and your experience with us. Oleg, it has been truly a pleasure. Uh, I appreciate the time and the effort that you're putting into doing what you do, and I wish you the best of luck. Thank you all for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't done so already, feel free to subscribe to our weekly newsletter, where you can receive all of our latest episodes, featured stand-up and speak-up stories, and ways you can be involved with Overcoming Odds. Once again, thank you for listening, and we'll look forward to having you next week.